Tim, welcome to episode 16 of the Stats No Matter podcast. Our podcast is actually old enough to drive a car. Mm. This is pretty great. I used one. Yeah, I used one. And probably, you know, I can only drive between the hours of like 8 a.m. and like 5 p.m. and has to have another licensed driver who's had a clean license for two years to sit in the car with them, can't drive at night, has to have parents permission. You know what I mean? Like all those crazy main rules for having driver's licenses. That's probably what it is. Oh, we are. We're growing up just right before our little eyes. Uh, We're going to break down in this episode, the next round of the NBA playoffs. The Celtics, they've got us sweating and swearing up a storm. And we're going to take a look at what the potential conference finals looks like. We're going to head back to NFLville because this week, the 2020 season starts. We've done it. We've made it. And on this week's edition of What's in My Cup, it's an IPA from Sterling, Virginia. And Imperial Goza from Richmond, Virginia, with an ingredients list that is honestly too long for this intro. I want to give a shout out to all the faithful Stats of Matter listeners from around the globe and right here in the good old US of A. Those folks know you can find us anywhere you get your podcast: Apple, Stitcher, Pocket Cast, World Wide Web. And they probably follow us too on the, all the socials, which you should do as well. At Stats Podcast on Twitter and at Stats of Matter on IG. Now, Tim, let's get into the show. Let's go. NBA playoffs, Celtics, Raptors. Let's start off with that. Uh, Tim, when the Celtics are good, they are lay good, right? As the French would say, mm. Mwah, chef's kiss, lay good. Then they make lay puzzling decisions uh, and then they lose a game and then they are lay good again. So it's almost mm. like you throw a dart at the wall to figure out what's going on with the mojo of this Boston team because when they are not turning the ball over, they're really a force to be reckoned with. But they yep. keep turnovers coming like a bunch of Boston bakers. Now, turnovers are delicious when they're on a plate. On a basketball court, they are not delicious. And I want to give a shout out to Mike's Pastries in Boston for being the inspiration for that line. <laughs> now, if, if the Boston Celtics could stop giving all those turnovers up, they could actually be a pretty decent team. Kemba, Tatum, Brown, even Tice, they've all heard their names called this series. Yet, their efforts have been overlooked by a team without Kawhi Leonard. And like, how, how is that team even sticking around with you? Serge Ibaka is in a walking boot and maybe not even playing game six. Do the right thing, Celtics. Play another leg-grade game and send the Dinos pack. Yeah, the defense has really been a standout uh, this whole season. And you kind of knew, uh, sorry, this whole postseason, you knew this series, them going up against another team who's uh, touted now for the defense with the departure of you know their star in the offseason. Um, I think one of the things that, is really helping the Celtics when they do win is that all of their team seems to be contributing. Everyone's doing small parts to help contribute where uh, I think the last game, six of their players were in double digits, which is great for, which is great for a team uh, who hasn't been great on second chance opportunities uh, with several guys who can shoot from the perimeter. I got to think, you know, with only a few games left, the likelihood of Toronto coming back and winning two out of three is probably pretty slim to none. So I think the Celtics are moving on this division. All right, sorry, this this round. Uh, I think they've kind of turned a little bit of a corner and they went from a good playoff team, maybe a contender. Oh, to a good team. Mm, I put, oh, man. I, I put a contender. Stats don't matter, but I got one coming up for you here in a little bit about uh, who maybe have some of the best odds to make the championship. Let's go. I'm ready. We're move, My body's we, ready. Yeah, we got to move on. Clips, nuggets. Uh, the Clippers, well, they look like that load management thing is kind of working out for them right now. They're up two to one on the nuggets. Uh, they've, they've found some footing. They're kind of evenly matched with the squad. 
in Denver that's coming off a spectacular seven-game series against the Jazz. A lot of offensive games there. Um, Kawhi Leonard blocked a would-be poster dunk with his middle finger in the last game. And it seems like whatever the opposing team tries to stifle Leonard, you know, Paul George just comes to the rescue, which I think was the point of that parent, right? Um, there's a lot of grudge talk that's going on between the two teams right now. And this is kind of the grudge match that we didn't know that we needed. You have a couple teams in the West that are kind of sneaky good. No one's really talking about them. And this may be setting up a storyline for post-COVID-19 basketball, where you're going to have these two teams that are going to go at each other. They're going to hate each other. There's just going to be bad blood there for a little bit you know, of, of time. I think it's going to be a good rivalry for sure. Um, one would think, though, that with the way Doc Rivers has the Clippers playing right now, they are kind of preferring to slowly strangle their opponents rather than gas them and run them off the floor with us, you know, offensive shooting sprees. Cause that's just not what they're doing right now. And that could be because they're players who have done so much resting uh, in this basketball from home quarantine, you know, COVID season, maybe they're just not in a rhythm yet. Yeah. I mean, I, I think Kawhi's the kind of player that'll just kind of carry you throughout any game, as long as he's not, you know, load managing load managing himself um saw all the success doc has had so i mean i i'm not a big fan of the slow burn playoffs that that one seems to be um eileen clippers just just basically for Kawhi. yeah because, you, because you, why not yeah i also you, don't know if i also don't know if it's even the rivalry we even knew existed until you just said that just now oh i'm telling you it's, it's shaping up to be one with all this all the smack talking going on back and forth between hey your players are flopping your players are resting too much like yeah just give me this like where was this like a couple rounds ago you know yeah, you, can, you can make a comment about every team flopping too much i really think long-term regular season rivalry i think you you, you got to go lakers clippers just because you know the battle of the current best in the league versus, you know, arguably the next up and coming of the best in the league, both playing in the same city. Um, well, I'll give it a whole half another real season before I consider it a real rivalry. But uh, anyway, I got the Clippers going on. We'll see. We'll see. Uh, Lakers versus Rockets tied up right now. They are actually playing game three as we're recording this. Tim, how bizarre is this? LeBron's squad in the first part of every series looks like the Toon squad from Space Jam. Is it's, mm-hmm. it's uh is Bugs Bunny, Tweety, Daffy, you know what I mean? Yosemite Sanders out there just like playing on the court, not getting mm-hmm. it going. Um and the Rockets, meanwhile, are just kind of evenly paced with them. Like, well, how is this happening? Now, the Rockets needed all seven to send OKC packing. So why does 538 model give them currently a 26% chance to win it all? Second in the league behind those Boston Celtics. How is that possible? Uh, I mean, if you look at who they're... I mean, I'm not as big on the Lakers as everybody else is going into the season. I know, like you said, they look like the the Toon Squad are going into it with all the talent they have there. AD is basically willing the team through uh, over the last few games. But you see it a lot with LeBron teams where on paper, they look like they're unstoppable. but start scratching a little bit below the surface you start to see there are some weak points um called it out a a few episodes ago where i didn't understand why it's always lebron needs another big all-star 
I mean, you're talking the greatest player in all of the league and easily one of the top five players in the league, both on the same team and a decent supporting cast that may not be the most reliable, but still Kuzma's not the worst player on the court. So I, you're saying it should be like, there shouldn't, there shouldn't be an even, they, they should be up 2-0 right now or 3-0. Hopefully yeah, after, after yeah, this like there's, yeah. it's, it's very odd to look at that, that series and say, Oh, it's, it's very close. Like the, the Lakers may not squeak this one out against the Rockets. I mean, the Rockets yeah. definitely aren't a, aren't a bad team. Harden's a force to be reckoned with, but we're talking AD and LeBron James on the same team. Like there, there should be a close game, but still a win. Most of the time they play together, and I get it. It's, it's a group effort, as we just talked about with the Celtics, and six of their players being in double digits. So, yeah, there are ways for you to win against top-tier talent, but Still, I, I always find everyone has these high expectations for LeBron James teams, and they always seem to run out of steam as, you know, the game starts to really add up. I mean, we'll have to see what happens, but uh, the 538 model took a look at the Rockets, and, you know, they, on paper, should be a really dynamic, nightmarish-type team to go up against. And, you know, mm-hmm. on defense, they've, they're, they're supposed to be really good, but they've not really played a lot together due to injuries pre-pandemic and then even just since getting back to the bubble um you know westbrook shooting less threes the beard is soaring right now and the majority of the lineup's not playing together on the court so houston could get right by the end of the series if they really wanted to make a run and they could really be a problem if they put away lebron i just don't see that happening for for whatever reason i feel like they just don't have enough um chutzpah right or spunk just to kind of get over this series for whatever whatever reason i'm just not convinced Like you can have all the talent in the world but you you, you do have to show up in games and you you beat a lebron led team once and until you do it two or three times i'm gonna need to see some some more body of proof the number one seed milwaukee bucks got bounced by hold on a sec let me check my notes oh yeah the retooled miami heat who saw that coming uh, did LeBron leave some talent buried in the South Beach sand, Tim? Because the Heat have made this postseason look easy. Tossing Giannis's injury, and of course, that has something to do with it, but the inability of the rest of the team to rally just doesn't make any sense to me whatsoever. How did this team consistently give the Celtics fits? Because the Miami squad, pun incoming and intended, really know when to turn up the Heat. They just do. They've given whoever they face enough tape in the conference finals that they should be able to avoid a sweep. But will it happen? Because the Heat are going to their first conference final since 2014. 2014! And the Bucks just got trampled out. Come on. <laughs> yeah. Um, as soon as I say I'm a lot. Uh, Giannis going out was unfortunate because I think he's the type of player that just sort of wills you through no matter what the circumstances are. Um, but yeah, the, the, the heat was just like that younger little brother that just doesn't stop nagging you until you fine, fine. Every way do whatever you gotta do. And I think that's kind of, kind of how this went where they just kept going and kept going and kept going. But I think, you know, the flip side of the argument I had a moment ago with AD and LeBron, I also don't think Giannis can, you can't rely on one player either. He needs at least 
somebody else. Um, and I just don't think he had the same backup that could pick up the slack when he was out. So you knew once once he was labeled out for the game, you know, that was sort of the end of the line for them. Um, I mean, they tried to keep it close, but you have to wonder if he really just smelt blood in the water and just decided, let's go ahead and play meaningful minutes. And then if we need to make a late charge, we can. But, I mean, I don't even yeah, think... He, uh, Jimmy didn't f- even play tonight, so... Yeah, you got to figure them sitting in the locker room and see that, you know, that guy goes out and you're like, oh, and we already have the momentum our way. That's it. Now, do I think they have what it takes to get past, you know, the Lakers or the Celtics or, or any of the top tier teams left? No, probably not. Um, well, it's interesting that you mentioned that because this is going to get to a little segment we're going to play in anyways. Mm. For conference finals, we'd like to see. Yeah. All right. So... Obviously, we're going to run through this a little quickly because we kind of already hit some of these points, but let's be honest. We had to rank them Lakers-Clippers for the Western Conference Finals. We've been waiting all season in the quarantine. Don't yes. F this up, Lakers. Don't F this up, Clippers. Stop your load management. Play some basketball. Get there. Get to the final stage. This is what we want to see. We want to see the new up-and-coming team from across town take on the Lakers. Yeah, I want to see that game of this series go to six or seven because yep. whoever wins that is going to vie for the Larry Bryan Trophy. And I can dig it. I think you know, if it comes to pass, that will be obviously the biggest draw. Oh yeah, I mean, it's you're you're vying for the king of Los Angeles, pretty much. Uh, mm-hmm. I, I know I sound like a LeBron hater when I say this, and this isn't going to help. Hater. I I can't like I, I think he's a great player. I like what he stands for. Maybe a little whiny at times, as far as on the court, vying for calls and just flop a lot uh, <laughs> it's an art form but i can't help but pull for the clippers and sort of what they're trying to do um i think the lakers are one of those teams that were just always winning all the time kind of like the yankees so in the back of my mind i have that sort of predisposed hatred to just go against any of the, the major dynasties. I know as a New York fan, you're rolling your eyes. I already said on record, I'm here for some losing seasons to get back to back to our roots. But um, for me, I got to pull Clippers. I just think what they're doing is, you know, going to be fun to watch. It's a team that literally is coming from the bottom and making their way into, you know, conversations for going all the way in the NBA playoffs. That's a pretty remarkable turnaround. Uh, it was a team that we just wrote off for quite a few years. So mm-hmm. I'm a sucker for an underdog story. They are by no means the underdog. Like that doesn't apply to them. They are yeah, underdog but, in name know, only. But yeah, that's, on, on that's, the that's value it. Does survive, but it, it could it could be. Well if you want yeah. the underdog story though, you gotta go Lakers Nuggets, right? I mean the Nuggets are a team that just they gave us that offensive spree uh the last series. Then you have to think, look, do they have enough gas in the tank really to slow down the Lakers fleet once it starts getting going? And I just don't I just don't think that's the case. There is too much talent on both of the Los Angeles teams. Like once they really yeah. decide they want to flip the switch, all right, now we're going to play. Cool, get out of the way because you're going to get run the f over. That's just kind of the yeah. way it's going. Yeah, hundred percent. I mean, I, I, I got, I, I have no stock in, and then Nuggets. It's a fun run in a odd shortened season. Extend that same team out over 120 games, and I don't think you end up with the the same outcome, but. It is fun in a, in a shortened uh, microcosm of a season. Yeah, for sure. Of course, though, if we're going to talk about all these things, what about Lakers Rockets? Harden, 
Westbrook, LeBron, Anthony Davis, all playing against each other on the same court for multiple nights in a row. Talk about fantasy basketball. I mean, that would be the one, if you're a basketball purist, you probably want to see. That's probably not going to happen. Uh, all right. One of the last ones here in the West, Clippers versus Rockets. I, I don't really see this happening. That doesn't necessarily mean it can't, but you never know. I mean, these are two teams that would seem like on paper, they would give us a good series. Uh, and as basketball fans that have been starved for content, do we want to see a series about a team who rests their players versus a team who has all-star players but can't stay healthy or on the court at the same time? That seems like kind of a snooze fest. Yeah, I mean, um, Lakers, Clippers, or bust, in my opinion. I mean, Lakers, Rockets... Mm, I could get, I could get behind that to an extent. Consolation uh, prize. Yeah, yeah, that would be like, I might tune in for a couple games. I'll probably watch most of the. Who are we kidding? We're watching all the games. (laughs) Yeah, my my basketball fandom seems to get more intense. Uh, The later the playoffs run, I kind of watch the first few rounds, but I tend to pay quite a bit of attention last. But if it's not Lakers Clippers, I can't promise I'll watch every game. Sorry, guys. Yeah. But if it's Lakers Clippers, uh, that stuff is going on the DVR. <laughs> <laughs> fast forwarding, fast forwarding through all the TV timeouts. All right, moving on to the East. Uh, obviously, we're we're a Celtics, you know, fan podcast. We're we're gonna stand for the Celtics all day long. Uh, one of the top ones I I want to see right now off the top because the Bucks are no longer in it. Give me the Celtics. Give me the Heat. New kids on the block. Versus the Grizzled Northeasterners. A battle of snow eaters versus snowbirds. Need I say more? This is like when Ray Allen defected and joined that loaded Miami squad. But this is different. This is a new breed. And Brad hey, Stevens. Who else, who, who, real quick, who else was on that team? Oh, yeah. Le, Le, LeBron James. Yeah. Okay, just sorry. And Dwayne Wade. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But it was good. We had, we had Pierce. We had Garnett. You know, we. Rondo. There was, there was some good. There were some good, good teams back then. In the, the late 2000s. Wow, we were old. <laughs> uh, look, Brad Stevens needs to start racking up some signature dubs. Okay? He, he's, a, he's a great coach. He's racked up a lot of postseason wins. This is going to be that signature thing. You want to go to the NBA Finals? Go ahead and thwart those pesky little beachgoers from down south. Just go ahead and take them out. That's what needs to happen. But if that can't happen, Heat versus Raptors. I mean, the feel-good story there is... Raptors return to the conference finals after losing Kawhi in free agency. Because basically the story there is we didn't need him, but it helped. Right now the headlines are practically going to write themselves if they don't make it because they're going to say, Oh, look, you could have made it, but you didn't because you didn't go ham for Kawhi. Uh, and if they do, there's going to be a lot of subtle boasting about how the roster is built and how sneaky good the team from Toronto is. I mean, personally, I just think that if, you know, if they do advance, Drake's trying to buy part of the team. And if they don't advance, Drake is definitely buying part of the team. <laughs> get a little bit of a discount if that happens. I know. That's, um, that's what I'm saying. You know what I mean? If you get a chance to go up there, then maybe you don't have 10% purchasing power. Maybe you have 15%. But if they win and they go to the conference finals, Drake, you don't have... I know you made a lot of money, but your, your valuation is going from like 10 to like 7%, maybe 3%. That's still yeah. a lot of money now that I think about it. It's like hundreds of millions of dollars. <laughs> <laughs> I uh, I have a hard time getting behind either one of those teams just because um, I have no real allegiance to either one of them. It would be, I 
already talked about sort of the draw for the underdogs and i think the raptors are sort of that underdog and this weird crazy 2020 season where the world doesn't make sense um it'd be great to see them make it into the finals but i'll take them by default i guess because underdog why not yeah <laughs> we're not gonna call I'm them the Rudy. i'm celtics <laughs> all the way hell yeah or bust the Celtics are out. That's it. I'm I'm gonna I'm gonna deflect all the NBA news to 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 Sam for the rest of the year. <laughs> It'll be like that uh, that Homer Simpson meme where he's like laying on the couch and his like his nose is like barely above his crossed arms. Like we'll just we'll just be so upset. Yeah. Like a little yeah. kid whose toy got taken away, which be like we're not doing I'm it de- today. Dedicate all my time to the golden <laughs> the golden knights. <laughs> Shout out to the goal tonight. All right. Church is on the way. That is the that is the update for the NBA playoffs. We're gonna go ahead and move now into the National Football League because Tim, week one is here. We made it. There was no preseason. Hell They're yeah. not gonna play in a bubble. And of course, we gotta take a quick moment just to say, look, there's still a pandemic going on. They've administered a lot of tests. They haven't had more than a handful of positives. Does that mean right. the testing program is working? Problem. Did they have the false test scare? Yes. Did they have plans for what's going to go forward if a coach catches COVID? Or, you know, we, we've already hammered out all those details. We can't go to talk about the season without just acknowledging there is more of an inherent risk in this season than there ever has mm-hmm. been before. You're putting a season where you're already going to have musculoskeletal injuries with a respiratory disease. Uh, you've already seen all the stories in, in college about how the uh, myocardial. Uh, diseases in the college players, like puts them at advanced risk for COVID-19. And you'd have to believe that if it's that way in college, you're probably going to see some, some bit of that in, in the next level. So more to follow. We think that there definitely will be some positives that will happen throughout, but so far, so good. So now that we got also, that out of the way. Also an, uh, a quick, interesting storyline. I don't know if anybody was following the Penn state announcement and the follow-up and the clarification, and all that, but in case you missed it, uh, the Penn State athletic program came out and referenced a study that was done on student athletes. Now, the clarification was that none of these are actual Penn State athletes. They were all high school age kids. And what they found was that of the kids tested who tested positive for COVID, when they did full chest workups on heart and lungs and all that, 35% of these kids showed some form of long-term heart damage, uh, like cardiomyopathy and things like that, which are pretty significant. Uh, and these were kids who may or may not have ever even shown signs of having COVID. Some of them were completely asymptomatic. Some of them were sick, but these are young, healthy kids who are hoping to go on and make careers in college based around sports and then obviously the goal is to make it into the nfl but goes to show some of the sort of serious side effects to this that people aren't really talking about we talked about it early on with stefania bell and some of her studies and some of her or sorry some of this research she's done with the various leagues and some of their protocols we kind of it was new information to us at the time they were doing full cardiological workups and to find out that not only are they all doing it, but they're also doing it for younger age groups just to kind of see what to expect. 
and it is a real thing. 35% is a lot. A lot of people keep arguing with COVID and the, the severity of it being less than 1% of a mortality rate and a lot of people not showing signs. But when you start factoring in 35% of the test pool showed heart damage, that is not something to just sort of wave off because as you get older, that toll is going to start adding up as you put more stress in it, whether it's through sports or the way you manage your health, whatever the case may be, just normal stresses in life. Like they, you know, a lot of the things that I've gone through health-wise have been outside factors, not my general health. I tend to be a pretty healthy guy, but the amount of stress I'm through with work and family life and all that sort of stuff tends to really do damage long-term. And if you go into it with damage already done, in your earlier years, I mean, sure, you can recover from a lot of that stuff. Um, you can build stamina. You can do a lot of things to help sort of improve those factors. But to not know, one, you had COVID because you didn't get tested, and to immediately follow that up with not knowing you have a heart disease as you go on in your life is unreal. And people need to factor that in when you start thinking about COVID. Yes. 0.1% or whatever the number is for COVID fatality rates is low, but it's not going to factor in all the people who are going to go on, have long-standing health concerns, and then suffer some sort of consequence later on in life. Like those are not going to be evaluated in there. 35% is a huge, huge number. That is a big, big number. So. Yeah. So just... We're always taking it seriously. We hope of the, of the NFL, they botched some of the earlier rollout. So hopefully they're taking a look at, at you know, all the medical information they have available to them. And, and everyone does take this seriously and just understand, even though we are happy, you know, as a, as a pig in the mud, that football is back, you know, we do realize that there is an asterisk about it and there, the season could end at any time. And there could be devastating effects for these players long beyond whatever your fantasy football team does for you, or whatever your favorite team does and how far they go in this expanded season so with that thursday night texas chiefs sam who do you got it's always a tough one your gut says chiefs i mean who am i kidding it's, it's going to be the chiefs but the texans have some some questions on the defensive side hargreaves is going to be matched up against someone like Tyreek hill i would suggest if you have hill in your fantasy roster you do everything in your power to make sure he's starting because i feel like that one could get pretty ugly pretty quick if you have uh, Texas as your defense, uh, I don't know why? Sorry, uh, maybe, <laughs> this is, maybe this is the week you you go with a, a non-defensive scheme. Um, that's, <laughs> that runs risk of actually getting you some negative points. Yeah, um, but it's uh, Chiefs no brainer. Yeah, you say the Chiefs, I say the Chiefs. I do think this one has a chance to go to overtime. Uh, look, the Texans always find a way to make things interesting, right? Even though they have no DeAndre Hopkins this year, they still have you know the majority of the same team they had last year, and they still put up 24 points on the team that would eventually go to win the Super Bowl. So they can score points when they need to. Um, but I think you know we've had a lot of opening night snooze fests. We're just happy that football is back and we get these rather lopsided results. I'm really pulling that this is not the year that it happens, um, and, I, and I would like to see the Chiefs thoroughly destroy a team in prime yeah. time. They're gonna bigly. Yeah. Bigly. And then, of course, we get to Sunday, the full slate of games, starting off 1 o'clock Eastern, Eagles versus the Washington football team. Uh, look, the Eagles are going to win this game. 
I think that's mm-hmm. that's a given. Um, but they've already got an, you know, like a, a number of injuries piling up. And this just seems to be the same scenario for the Eagles. They're an injury-plagued team. They play injury-plagued seasons. They run out of gas. And are they going to win? Yes. It's going to be a moral victory, sort of like a, you won the battle, but you're going to start to lose the war kind of thing. And this is kind of where it starts. You hope Carson Wentz can stay healthy for a game, uh, a full game, fingers crossed. But uh, I think with him and Miles Sanders coming off of a phenomenal year, I think they are they are facing a defense that is in the bottom of the league. So it could be pretty ugly if everybody comes out firing on all cylinders. But um, those injuries, it's the same story. Every single season, you know, Carson Wentz is a top tier quarterback when he's healthy and playing well, but you got to start wondering when all this time away from football, because you're recovering, it's going to start adding up and it tends to add up pretty quick. If you start missing large portions of every single year, like I feel for the guy, he seems like a athlete who wants to go out and compete every weekend, but man, I hope you can stay healthy. Uh, drink your milk, whatever you got to do, stretch more. I, yeah. I don't even know what it is, but if you stay, if he can stay healthy for the entire game, I think it gets pretty out of control pretty quickly. Unless I might change my tune if they let Alex Smith come out and take some reps. So yeah, that might, that might switch the tune a little bit. Cause you know, it's hard not to pull for the guy who thought he was never going to touch a football again. And he made all the 53 man roster. Yep. Yep. So that is that is pretty awesome. Um, he might be on the roster just because you know of everything and the PR move to go along with it. But you yeah. hope you hope it's because he earned a spot, and you know maybe you do hope the game gets out of hand pretty quick so they can let him get in and take some reps, uh, maybe at the tail end. But we'll see what happens. I, otherwise, it's yeah, I think it's Eagles by a, a large large number. And I do think that opening weekend, um, you know, there's there's just something about it. Obviously, you know, starting off in the division, they're going to want to get off to a fast start anyways. I, I just I kind of feel for the Eagles. I mean, they're paying Josh McCown $12,000 a week to be football ready in mm-hmm. a state that's like a time zone away. <laughs> like we, we saw how this happened, obviously, in the last season of All or Nothing with the Eagles. Uh, you're going to have to call them in at some point. I hate to say this, Philadelphia. I don't hate to say this, actually. You, you might hate to hear it. Colin Kaepernick's still available. Colin Kaepernick is probably a better quarterback. No, I'm not, I'm not going to say probably. I'm going to say he is, right now, a healthier quarterback than any one of those two guys you got. And you need to be picking up the phone and bring this guy in for a workout. Seriously. Hell of a matting rating. Oh, yeah. Madden rating is better than uh, most of the league. So. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. That? Welcome back to Madden. Kicked out unfairly, that's for sure. Uh, moving on, Dolphins, Patriots. Fitzmagic is the week one starter for the Dolphins, but the Cam Redemption Tour is one of the only acts that's still out on the road today. COVID be damned. And you know the Patriots are going to pull this one out. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm pretty interested to see how Cam and the team plays together, considering all the time he's spent talking up the relationship that he's built. Um, that being said, the Dolphins always tend to play the Patriots pretty competitively, regardless of how the teams are built. Um, every single season, that's the one or two games on the schedule that you're like, oh, okay, no matter what, this is going to be a close one for any number of reasons. It doesn't seem to have any rhyme or reason, but I think, you know, Fitzmagic is, is 
out of rabbits to pull out of his little hat. Uh, I think that shtick has sort of slowly started coming to an end. Um, but you never know. Whenever you see the Dolphins and the Patriots, uh, it, it's kind of a mess. But I think not having preseason games leading into the season is going to make it a little bit more difficult for Cam in New England in general because you know you can test timing all you want in practice, but it's very different when you got bumping runs when you got guys actively trying to stop Edelman from, you know, hitting the five yard mark before he can make his move. So, uh, I think I'm with you. I think the Patriots are going to pull this one out as well. I think it's going to be maybe a closer game than I'm going to be comfortable with. Um, I could see it being, you know, maybe either a touchdown or a late game drive, um, which will come down to the wire and maybe a defensive stop on the, on the tail end. But I think a little, I actually think it ends up being a little bit closer. I, I hope they I hope Miami loses just because I'd like to see the the era of Fitzmagic come to an end. That'd be great. I, I hope the Dolphins lose because I don't know about you. I don't know if I'm more excited to see Cam Newton do the Superman thing after he scores a touchdown and hand a you know a ball to a, no one in the stands or the post game outfit. I don't know what I'm more excited for. I'm thinking it's the post game outfit, to be honest. I'm just saying. Just saying. All right, yeah. moving on. Packers Vikings. This is normally where I would say go pack go, uh, begrudgingly. But the defense has been retooled in Minnesota, and you have to wonder if the Packers getting the break speed off them in the NFC Championship game still kind of looms a bit here. Remember, they haven't played another game uh, since that. I think that ultimately this game is two points or less, and I think a missed kick is going to win it. Uh, and I think that the Vikings are going to win the game by like two points. Uh, I think so as well. Um, Aaron Rodgers, I've said it before, I think has seen the peak and is now on the, on the other side, not in the same dramatic, you hope it's more of a decline like the Tom Brady style decline and not the Brett Favre style decline where, you know, he still becomes viable for the next few years. Um, uh, this is a push really like you know what i mean like if you're not a fan of nfc north football you probably don't know if you're a diehard cheesehead you're all you're obviously going to say the packers are going to win this game but if you're a minnesota fan you've been looking at the past couple of years you saw that yeah. they knocked off the saints when they were at top of the, off- the offensive prowess they made a couple of mistakes they can't seem to beat seattle for whatever reason you know in prime time but they can find a way to win the big games so and i think they changes this season Yes, I mean, so in my notes, I have the Vikings, right? Because you have Dalvin Cook going up against a really bad uh, Packers defense. They're literally top, uh, bottom 10 in run defense. Um, but saying out loud that you're rooting against Aaron Rodgers in the Packers is always tough, but uh, I'll, go, I'll go with my initial guy. I got to go Vikings as well. All right. What about uh, Colts Jaguars? Who you got on that one? I got to go reinvigorated rivers. Uh, I'll, I'll take him at least week one. <laughs> okay. So you'll, take, you'll, take, you'll take the Colts week one. Like, what are they going to go one in 15? Come on now. This is, this is so, uh, here's, freaking rivers. I know, but here's, Dad, here's, my, here's my thought on this season. I think compare this to any other season. You've had three or four games to actually work out a bunch of kinks before this season even starts. You don't have that now. You're literally going, right into the start of the season without any 
trial and error, any warm-ups outside of practice, I think what you're going to end up having is a bunch of teams that are going to stumble aggressively out of the gate because your timing's not down. You're not in a rhythm. You haven't developed on-the-field awareness for not only your players, but their mannerisms. You know, your QB tends to have uh, tells, or maybe his throws are always slightly off, you know, in a particular area, you can make those adjustments on the fly. You don't have that. And I think teams with new quarterbacks, I'm going to tell you the same thing about Tampa Bay here shortly. Um, but I think what's going to happen is you're going to have a couple teams stumble out of the gate. And it's going to be really hard to make up that time. If you've come out and lost three of your first four games. And then I think, you know, obviously that's only a quarter of the season. You have plenty of time to, to turn that around, but if, you're going up against teams who have really figured it out right out of the gate. It's going to be a very different ball game come week five or six. So I say I take in week one, not because I dislike the man or I dislike the move. I just think it's going to take a couple games for everybody to kind of get in sync. You got a new team, you got a new scheme, you got new players around you. It's not like you're in San Diego anymore. And you've been playing with guys who are now you got your coaches. It's not the same year after year after year. It's a whole new scheme. I mean, games the same way. They, if they stumble out of the gate, I think they have a rough first half of the season trying to get everyone in sync because then you you may have like some constant shuffling of guys on the roster, you know, who's starting, the play calls and all that. You tend to maybe overcompensate because you didn't have any of that time before the season. So I say I'll take Rivers week one, not because I dislike the man, but I think it's going to take a little bit of time for him to kind of get in line or in tune with the rest of his team. So week one. Yes, we too. That'll, that'll be a conversation we'll have to have after we see how he does this weekend. Uh, he's going to throw two touchdowns and he's going to throw two interceptions. That's what's going to happen. Yeah. Uh, the Colts are going to win anyways because their defense is going to give the Jags and the Minshew mustache a lot more than they can handle week one. I mean, mm. one of the Jaguars running back is on the COVID-19 list for the second time. Leonard Fournette is no longer a Jaguar. Yeah. They, they don't have some, some key players on defense. Uh, like I just see this getting to a point where it could get ugly quickly, but I do think that Philip freaking rivers is going to be pretty charitable and give him back something as well. Yeah. 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 There's lines. We got, I remember when this used to be one of the matchups you would look forward to every season, just the history between the two teams, uh, the history of those teams in the league in general but I can't tell you how much of a snooze fest I think this game is. Uh, I used to have a lot of faith and a lot of hope for Patricia. That's petered out a little bit for me. I know he showed a little bit more towards uh, the mid to tail end of last season. Uh, Matt Stafford looked well before he got injured. So there is some promise there. You kind of hope they turn it around, but especially against a Bears team. You didn't learn anything over the last few years, and you went ahead with the same QB who's, unless we all missed something, and, you know, being locked up in his house for a couple extra months made him that much better of a QB. Um, I I can't put my finger on why you wouldn't just at least try something different going into the season. Um, maybe they have him on a short, leaf, short leash. Um, I don't know. Lines, they got a couple injuries that have sort of piled up a little bit, but I think just because of lack of interest, I got to go Lions. Yeah, I am actually, shout out to Matt, Matt, listener of the podcast. Um, I'm, I'm going to go with the Lions here. Uh, the Bears, 
declared that Mitchell Trubisky was their starting quarterback. And the man behind him is making $21 million. So this is just the beginning of the full job audition. Because like you yeah. said, there's a super short leash and it's going to be one or two games. Uh, the Lions just signed Adrian Peterson and they have like a million running backs on their roster. So that's a running back by a committee that who knows how that's going to go out. But that could be good. Yeah. I mean, the Lions are going to win this and the drums are going to be getting louder and louder. And it's going to start to become unbearable for the team in Chicago. Did you see what I did oh there, too? Oh, my God. That's so bad. That's a, <laughs> uh, hashtag so bad. Yeah. First of all, if you ever tell a joke and you have to follow it up with, you see what I did there? It's a bad joke. Oh, just I got I to gotta clear that up for the world and everybody who's listening. If you're the type that posts on Facebook and then you follow it up with, you see what I did there? Yes. We all saw what you did there. Point taken. Point taken. Stop it. Stop it. Everybody. Stop it. All right. All right. All right. All right. Okay. Uh, Raiders, Panthers. Look, Christian McCaffrey is <laughs> going to have 150 all-purpose yards. Uh, the Raiders just put Marcus Mariota on IR. Uh, this one looks like it might be close on paper, but it's not. I mean, the Panthers are going to win yeah. by a touchdown. I would even say more than a touchdown. Raiders have a lot of building to do. They, they still have some restructuring going on. It's been going on since the, the Gruden era began. Uh, then I, they still haven't quite dialed that in. So I, th- I think more of the same out of the Raiders this season. Maybe they find a little bit towards the tail end, but uh, nah, they're the little brother still trying to figure their shit out. Oh, yeah. Uh, new stadium they're going to play in. I don't think it's going to get too many dubs in it. And there's not going to be fans. I mean, I'm sure there'll be Raiders fans, Raiders faithful out in the parking lot, ripping shots, doing stuff. You know, I'm sure that's going to happen. Dressing up in the 128 degree weather or whatever. Yeah, why not? Yeah, true fans. They got support, right? Uh, Moving on, Jets, Bills. Look, the Bills re-signed a defensive piece. They gave Josh Allen some speed at wide receiver. I just think after everything they've been doing, which is like over the past few seasons, the Bills have been like tinkering just a little bit. Tinkering, 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 tinkering. And I think that this is the season where it probably begins to click and fall into place for them. But that being said, they're going to roll the Jets this week. All right, Jets are going to jet no matter what. And you got to feel bad because Sam Darnold seems like one of those guys who could actually be viable. Um, I, I was saying that during the Mark Sanchez, Tim Tebow era, that either one of those guys could have been perfectly serviceable quarterbacks if they were on any other team um, and didn't just have to deal with the Jets being the Jets. I think Sam Darnold might be kind of in that same boat where is he uh, an elite quarterback? No, I don't. I don't think so. But he could at least be top tier of the middle tier. I mean, top of the list in like that middle tier, sort of like where Eli Manning was. If anybody tells me Eli was a top tier quarterback, I'm gonna you're, you're wrong. He won two Super Bowls, but two Super Bowls against the, arguably one of the greatest quarterbacks ever to play the game. Every even a blind squirrel finds a nut. Every, now <laughs> every road has a thorn. Here we go. The excuse um, train rolls on. No, no I, I think he was. I think he was a, like, I think Garoppolo is going to turn out to be the same way. Perfectly serviceable quarterback that's going to put teams in winning positions. That doesn't mean they're elite quarterbacks. It just doesn't. Um, And I think Sam Darnold could be one of those guys if the Jets just sort of stopped and figured their stuff out. But every year they do something where you're like, ah, yeah, the Jets, Jets are just going to jet. And everybody thought it was the Bills year this year until... Cam Newton jumped on the, the Patriots bandwagon and that gave that team a whole new look. So it's a little bit more competitive again. I think the Bills roll the, the Jets pretty easily. It'd be a nice surprise if they didn't. It'd be a cool little 
matchup to see again, you know, Taylor New York's, but uh not this weekend. Nope. Not at all. Moving probably on. Not this season. Yeah, probably not there either. Uh, Browns <laughs> Browns Ravens. Uh yeah. look. Last season, Ravens came out, obliterated the Miami Dolphins, and then quizzically lost to the Browns. That is not going to happen this time. There's going to be no redux of last season here. The Ravens are going to come out. They are mad that they got trounced out of the playoffs. They're going to thump the Browns. Like It's not going to be close. It's not going to be pretty. And you can really tell that Lamar wants to make a statement this year. And I think given all the sort of off-season rumblings that have gone on with the team, like this, this is how you start the season. You come out, you make a statement, you beat a team that you're supposed to beat, you beat them decisively. And I think that's what's going to happen here. Yeah, I'm on record with my uh, lack of faith in a one Baker Mayfield. Um, I think while he might make some moves this season, it's tough. You got a new coach. You do have a healthy OBJ, though, coming into the season. Um, I think they'll start to figure it out, hopefully, towards the middle of the season, maybe even towards the end of the season. I think once everyone kind of you know, the same thing I've been that same drum I have been beating about not having preseason games. It's tough to kind of feel everyone out as you go into it. I think he's going to be inconsistent. Hopefully he starts making some improvements, but all last year I said the the Ravens were just the juggernaut that nobody was going to stop. I got surprised. I, I was shocked when they lost. I literally thought they were going to just run away with the entire league and, and win the Super Bowl. Uh, when they got bounced, felt pretty good. Uh, but <laughs> that didn't Lamar, stop you from drafting I mean, Lamar in fantasy this year, though. You're like, oh, so, we so need Lamar to come back here. Lamar, Lamar was my keeper because um, I had him, I had him and Mahomes on my team last year because uh, Mahomes went undrafted. What? And I had to pick between the two of them, and Lamar is just a point machine and outpointed, out, outscored fantasy wise. Mahomes last season is going to do the same thing because of you know all the yards on the ground. Um, but, yeah, this this one's not even going to be close. I, I'm I'm going to pull for the Browns towards the end of this season, hopefully. But for now, there's I, I, same thing as last year. I think that Ravens freight train is just close to full steam ahead, and this is going to be a season where names are going to be taken, games yep. are going to be you know blown out, and it'll be it'll be fun to watch. Hopefully, yeah. the Patriots uh, can stay out of the way. Yeah, <laughs> or end or end that run. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. The, the guy that was not all about the Cameron Jarrell uh, hype train is now the conductor. Uh, how, well, how how far you've come, and I love it. it. It would be cool to see someone like. I still don't know how the team's going to fare. I think it's. I think. Spoiler alert: He's uh, a starting quarterback on my fantasy team. I'm not proud of it. <laughs> yes, you are. I went into it with a scientific approach. He doesn't have. Uh, a lot of people to throw to per se, but his running backs all tend to have good hands. You have Julie Edelman, who's always a, a staple. Anytime you're looking at ways to throw it, going to have a lot of short passes that go for yards after the catch. He's going to keep plays alive and rack up uh, yards on the ground. So from a fantasy points perspective, I think he's a great pick. He's going to, if nothing else, if everything continues to collapse on the field, he's still going to rack up yards on the ground as long as he can stay healthy. So, yeah. that being said, it would be fun to see 
maybe a postseason with the Ravens against the Patriots because you sort of have the old model of what Lamar is sort of based on against, you know, the young juggernaut who I still put a notch above Mahomes. I know some folks aren't going to agree with me, but I would I would say if if you're looking at notches, tighter, maybe just a notch above Mahomes. So that'd be that'd be a fun postseason. That's all. That was a really good uh, time to talk about Lamar Jackson when you stand for Cameron Jarrell Newton right there. I don't think that, <laughs> that ever could have happened unless I spent, I don't know, four previous episodes telling you he's going to be the guy. He's dabbing all over the place. This is the new future. And you're like, no, no, wait on it. Jared Stidham's our guy. And he's not. I, and you just, still, took, you just took time Stidham. for the Ravens-Browns game to talk about your love for Mr. Camp. I love it. I do feel love bad to for see Stidham. You'll love to I see feel it. bad for Stidham. I, I, I hope he goes and, and does something. Well, we all know he's going to get an opportunity because Cam's going to go out with an injury. So no, Don't even put that evil out there. Moving on, moving on. Uh, it's the bird battle. Seahawks, Falcons. Uh, the Hawks are going to take this one. Duh. Russ, three total TDs. Defense gets an interception and a fumble. It's going to happen. Maybe. Maybe. Although, if Todd Gurley uh, seems to come out the way he is discussing and talking about and boasting about. Uh, it could be sort of a very different looking Falcons team. Um, yeah, Ryan and the million year old Julio Jones. <laughs> I think they could put some pretty good scoring drives together, but Seattle making a couple changes on defense sort of starting to look a little bit like the Seattle from the days of yore. Uh, I think it'll be a close game. I don't have the utmost faith in Ryan. Uh, he tends to do well, but all there's something about big games where I don't know if he necessarily, and I'm not talking about the, the Falcons Patriots game. I just mean in general, <laughs> it seems like he's, super inconsistent when it comes to game when it comes to games that get a lot of attention obviously like a super bowl obviously um i think this one's gonna be seattle probably a close game i think it'll be ryan finding a way to lose it unfortunately and i will agree it'll probably be by way of interception um which would be so great and all the critics could just pound sand for Seattle, yeah. start the season off with an interception. A game-winning interception would be great. Uh, if you've ever watched any of the Hawks-Falcons games, they always go deep into the fourth quarter, and it's like usually at the yeah. end that things get decided. Yeah. So I, I think I think you're right there. That's the jam-packed 1 o'clock slate. Uh, moving on to the 4 o'clock games. Chargers, Bengals. Who you got here? Hard not to root for the new guy. Burrow and all the hype coming into it. Um... Although, again, no preseason games, nobody out to, you know, other than your practice squad to defend against. So it'll be tough to see. But you got Joe Mixon fresh from the bank, filling out deposit slips for about 100 days. Uh, <laughs> potentially healthy AJ Green, which I don't have the most faith in. I had him two years in a row on my fantasy league, and that man rode my bench more than. Uh, any other player I've had in fantasy over the last couple of years because he just couldn't stay healthy. And then he was healthy. He was just so out of touch. He wasn't uh, producing very well. So that one's going to be a tough call for his position. But I do think 
Uh, Burroughs comes out a little motivated. Uh, Joe Mixon helps carry that team. And then the Bengals squeak it out. That'll be, that'll be one of the fun ones to watch over the weekend. Oh, for sure. I, I wrote here that uh, Joey Burroughs makes it interessante. That's uh, interesting in Spanish. But I, I think the Chargers eat it out one by three. But then I realized that the Chargers, they lost a member of their defense. Didn't Derwin James like go down with an injury? Like so, like their secondary is like is going to be exploitable. Now I understand they do have good pressure people up front, uh, but Burroughs is used to playing teams with that kind of caliber. So you know what? I'm going to change my pick here. I'm going to go with you in this one. Let's go, Cup of Joe, Joey Burroughs, Joe Mixon. The 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 J and AJ Green must stand for Joe. So the the three Joes. That's what I'm going to call him. We're going Bengals. Let's go. 425, we got the Cardinals and the Niners. Uh, you know, at being an NFC West fan and seeing the Cardinals always ending up within striking distance of winning all of these types of games when they really have no business doing it, then they go out and they get the talent. They get DeAndre Hopkins. He's signed to one of the most richest two-year contracts by a non-quarterback ever. Um, they're going to go to this game, and they're going to shock the NFL, and they're going to pick up a W. The, the Niners are going to start 0-1. Yeah, I think the Niners are coming off a brutal summer with injuries starting to pile up a little bit. Um, Debo is going to likely miss the first game coming off of foot surgery, so that's a big hit. I think as long as Murray can come out and put a decent game together, I think they'll squeak it out. Um, I'm going to go at least by a touchdown, maybe maybe a few touchdowns. I might give him, I might give him a... I give him a fourteen point uh, lead at the end of the game. Now remember, I'll, t- I'll, t- I'll take the cards. They they had the defensive line that it would make anyone jealous, and then they went and traded one of those guys away to the Colts. They got a second round pick, uh, and then or a first round pick, and then they actually went and drafted another defensive lineman. So if there's any weakness, it's probably that guy. You you probably want to run yeah. straight at him. And again, you haven't had preseason. You haven't seen if Murray is sort of improvised a little bit from his you know, dashing all over the field. And it's like, that dude is lightning fast. He really is. So you don't have any film to go off of. And you can watch last year, but you're kind of selling yourself short if you think that he hasn't yeah. done anything in, in this offseason. Um, the 49ers don't have a lot of people to throw to right now because everyone keeps getting injured. Yeah. So, yeah. And you, got, and you got Jimmy G, the game manager. He's one of those that I hope long-term makes some adjustments and kind of figures... I mean, he's winning games, so I obviously can't complain, but... Game managers always get figured out. That's the problem, is that eventually teams can scheme against it. And I, and I say that having him on a fantasy league last year as a starter and actually seeing, even though the games were piling up and they were winning week after week after week, his production was pretty low. Like Some of that was the defensive side, keeping them in games and winning games. But the other side of it was... More so the the game management side, which is a great, great ability from a quarterback. Tom Brady is one of those, but Tom Brady at Garoppolo's age was also able to throw 60-yard bombs downfield to wide-open receivers because he recognized what the defense was giving him. I don't think Garoppolo's there yet. I was sad when he left New England. Seeing him in San Francisco, I'm not necessarily as broken. I think he'll be a, a, a decent quarterback. But um, I don't know if he's the type that can overcome a lot of injuries the same way as some other guys can. He's still relatively young in his 
starting role. So who knows? He may make some big improvements this season. Um, but I, I, I don't think it's in a, the first week. I don't think it'll be in the first few weeks, to be honest. Yeah. I mean, some of those guys start coming back. Remember, too, after the Rams went to the Super Bowl and they scored a whole bunch of no points, uh, teams just sort of figured out how to, how to slow them down, how to defend against them. And, you know, uh, Raheem Mostert is going to have to do a lot of the lifting. Debo Samuel's not going to be able to do, you know, a lot that the team is used to relying on. So when the run game isn't as dynamic, you don't have 15 different looks you can pass or run out of, like you, you become a little bit more mortal. And for those teams that have always been itching at your heels, they know when they can smell blood in the water. And I think this, unfortunately, this is probably one of those games that happens. Yep. Agreed. Uh, NFC South, Bucks, Saints. Look, I'm not necessarily the, the biggest Patriots fan, okay? But Tom Brady's going to hand the Saints the first of their two division losses, that, and it's going to start week one because the Bucks are going to sweep the Saints this year. I'm just going on record. I'm saying that right now. Homerism aside, um, I think it's an entirely new team. We're still adding players up until like a week and a half ago. Uh, I don't necessarily think they're going to come firing out of the gate. Tom's going to do his best. He's going to try and get players in spots to win and make plays. But if we saw anything over the last two years, anytime Tom gets a new receiving core, there's always some trouble with matchups or not necessarily matchups, but route running and timing and whatnot. We I'm on record saying, I think some of his downfall over the last few years wasn't even necessarily his fault. He, I think he's a perfectionist to a fault and he knows exactly where he wants to put a ball where a play and where the player should be. I think a lot of times in making some of those passes, the the ones that looked really bad were because players weren't in the positions they were supposed to be. And you can kind of tell some of that because of how angry he was after the play. There are very few quarterbacks that I would look at. And again, this is, I'm removing all homerism. I think Aaron Rodgers is the kind of guy where you could tell by their reaction after the play whether or not it was their fault and they just missed a throw or whether that was a fault of the receiver not being in the right position. And there was an awful lot of body language leading me to believe that over the last maybe two or three years, as they were rotating in new receiving guys, that and you had guys like Dobson who just couldn't figure it out for a while, that Brady was looking worse than he actually was because he had a lot of players who just were completely out of position when he was throwing the ball. I think you have a full veteran roster now. In fact, they air a little bit maybe on the older side that might be able to run those routes better, put themselves in better positions. But I, I don't think going into week one up against a well-oiled machine like the Saints is going to be enough. I think the Saints, you know, coming off of the success they've had, especially over the last two years, they've really figured it out. Didn't have a lot of change over on offense. I think they're going to be a team that's, again, they're, you know, perennial contenders. I think they're going to start out fast, and I don't think they're going to take the foot off. Um, I wouldn't be shocked if they come out with a pretty resounding win over the over Tampa Bay, at least in the, the first the first week. I think when we're talking week six, seven for the Bucks. I think they start steamrolling teams just the same. A lot of those short passes that you had with the Patriots, but you know, you can spread it out a little bit more. But early on, game one, Saints are gonna come out and, you know, 
two seasons of tough calls in the playoffs to rob you of your ability to make it to the Super Bowl, I think you're coming out with a little bit of a chip on your shoulder and Bucks are just a speed bump along the way. All right, we'll have to see. Uh, Sunday night football, brand new stadium in Los Angeles, Cowboys Rams. Tim, I don't know if the rest of the listeners of the podcast know this, but hashtag we the boys. Uh, the Cowboys <laughs> are going to win this thing by three as time expires. This is going to be a high scoring points fair. It's going to be a 34 to 31 kind of game. Um, McCarthy wants to, to spread it all out, he wants to get the receivers involved. Uh, the tight end position has been kind of a tumultuous, you know, roller coaster for the past couple of years, but I think they're going to find some stability there. The defense, is it serviceable? Yes. Is it great? No. Is it terrible? No. Uh, the Rams have just thrown money at issues. Mm-hmm. And yeah, you have Jalen Ramsey, but someone has to defend all the other people. Jalen Ramsey can't do it all himself. And yeah. uh, they do have other good defensive pieces there. But I think, again, with the Rams, you can survive the pass rush and you can find a hole downfield. You're going to score points. Seattle does it twice a year. The, the Rams uh, just seem to find themselves in a place where teams who have no business putting points in them, put points on them. This will be no different because remember the Cowboys already faced off against the Rams the season that the Rams went to the Super Bowl. And that game was a hell of a lot closer than the Super Bowl was. So I really do think that uh, this could be another one of those shocker games opening up Sunday Night Football. I cannot wait for Collinsworth and Al Michaels and Michelle Tafoya to be back. It's one of my favorite broadcasts of the week, uh, and I'm looking forward to it. Yeah, I think this is one of the last. I think this is the last of the major storylines going into the weekend. Uh, Steelers, Giants, decent game. Titans, Broncos, sure. But I think this is one that carries a little bit more of a storyline with it. You have the Rams who have sort of found their stride coming off the last few seasons, hopefully going into it with a relatively healthy team with a lot of the core. I know Cook's left, but you have a lot of the same core guys there. So you hope you can find success going into it. Cowboys coming off an off season with a lot of drama. Which is every season, every off season for the Cowboys. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. I think it's tough. I think. Anytime you have that many distractions going into the start of a season, like you still don't know what's going on with your quarterback. You don't know where his mind's at. You have his brother all over the interwebs telling everybody. Go follow Tad Prescott. <laughs> Go do it right now. Or else do it. Yeah. Tell, telling everybody the family business. And you got to think at some point, Dak would say, hey, you cut it out. But because he's not, and he's still just sort of plugging along, makes you kind of wonder how much Dak is like, hey, man, this instigates change then so be it yeah sometimes think, the enemy of your enemy is also your friend unless he's your brother then i think that that <laughs> just goes out the window there but um uh, yeah i think i think this one's going to be la i don't i think it'll be a close game i think it'll be a field goal i don't think it'll be a last minute field goal i don't actually think it'll be a high scoring game to be honest with you i think again beat that same drum no preseason games people starting to Figure stuff out a little bit. LA has a little bit of an advantage. Well, they both they're both coming off of seasons where they didn't have a lot of changeover in the receiving core. So you you still got staples you can throw to. Um, I, I I think it'll be a relatively low scoring game, um, but I think it's LA's game to lose. Oh, all right, all right. 
we, we've mostly been on the same page for a lot of these games. So it's good that we're splitting yeah. some of them. We want people to think that we're, you know, Manchurian candidates over here and just putting your words <laughs> in my head. Uh, yeah. Look, that's Sunday night. Monday night, as they do every season, we get treated to a doubleheader of games. Uh, and I stay up and I watch both of them. All right. I'm just, I'm just a fan <laughs> like that. Uh, the first one starts at 710. Uh, it's Steelers versus Giants. Listen, listen, Linda, listen. Uh, Big Ben is back. James Connors is back. Juju is going to get his mojo back. Steelers by 14. And I'm not, I'm not, I'm just coming off the top with it from the top rope by 14. 14 points. The Giants don't have people on defense to be able to stop a team, even aging as Big Ben is, from putting up this many points on them. I don't care if it's 14 to 0 or 28 to 14. They are winning by two touchdowns. Counting. I mean, for me, I hate to say it, New York, the history with the Patriots, I have a hard time not rooting for New York in this one. I think Ben's ship has left the harbor already. It's pulling up anchor, about to hit full steam into the promised land that is retirement. This might be the season that you see it. I like Connors. I like Juju. I just don't know if Ben is going to be the guy that makes that all happen for them. Uh, yeah, Daniel Jones got Saquon Barley. Saquon's coming off a little bit of an injury rehab, but I think that man's quads are going to carry the Giants at least past the Steelers and into a, a pretty decent season this season. You, you think the Giants are going to win against the Steelers? Yeah. Oh yeah. no! Yeah, Who has the better defense on paper? The Giants. <laughs> Who has the better offense on paper? Oh, no, no. You just made me talk that. Who's the better defense on paper? It's the Steelers. Who has the better offense on paper? It's the Steelers. Who's going to win know. this game? It's the Steelers. I just, Get out of my uh, head, Tim. I have no, I have no faith in the, the bigger, heftier Ben now. Um, injury prone? What, what, is he supposed mm-hmm. to be small, Ben, at some point in the, in the near future? Is he supposed to lose 30 or 40 pounds? I mean, the guy threw his arm out. He threw mm-hmm. it out last year against the Seahawks. He threw so yeah. hard. He destroyed his arm. Yeah. I'd rather, I'd rather play for that guy you, and say he's going to win the game because he's going to put it on the line than Daniel Jones and a yeah, guy who can th- squat 700 pounds. Have you ever thrown out your arm, though? Oh, no, never. I mean, I don't have enough muscle in my arm to really generate yeah. that much power. So here's so. the problem with throwing out your arm. So when you throw out your arm, you legitimately throw out your arm, it doesn't take very much to throw it out again. There's some... Oftentimes, damage. That's why Tommy John surgery is becoming so popular. That's when pitchers throw and throw and throw, and then throw out an arm and tear a rotator cuff or or tear tendons in their elbows. Um, yeah, but Ben doesn't need to throw it ninety miles an hour. He just needs no. to throw it to Juju <laughs> or Eric Ebron. He needs to throw a heavier ball all game or hand it off to Connor. And at some point, you're going to be like, "Oh, well, let's just put guys in front of that and let's see if." Their guy can run faster than Saquon, who has legs like tree trunks. There's just stopping it. I got the Giants. It hurts me to say it because I hate the Giants. Uh, <laughs> I can't even. I'm trying to look at you in a straight face, but I can't believe it. And I know there's friendly, people listening to the podcast who are Giants friendly, fans. Shout out friendly, to Lee and Craig, but no way. No way is this happening. Friendly wager. Whoever loses Venmo's the cost of a four-pack to the other guy. All right. Deal. Yeah. All right. <laughs> be the Giants. <laughs> oh my yes. goodness, that's yes. crazy. Wait, let's let's move on at this before you put yourself in with a bookie you can't get out of bed with. 
Uh, <laughs> the last football game of week one, Titans-Broncos. Mm-hmm. Um, the Titans won the Jadavian Clowney sweepstakes. Um, mm-hmm. One year, $15 million. We did a little bit of uh, searching on the Twitter sphere. That was also the one-year deal that Seattle offered him. So I don't think he wanted to play in Seattle. I think he wanted to get some more money. And I think maybe Seattle was like, listen, it's going to be $13 million now. Titans offered him fifteen. Uh, he reunites with Mike Vrabel. Good for him. Um, this team took the Chiefs at least a little bit in, the, in you know, on the ropes in the AFC Championship. Now, the Titans mm-hmm. are going to win this game for sure. Uh, and we know yeah. that uh, Vaughn Miller uh, tore some tendons in his ankle. He's out. Uh, Bradley Chubb's going to take him a little bit longer to come back. So that defense isn't going to be the same. Uh, Denver is going to have to pivot from being a defensive football team. They're going to have to let it fly this year. There's going to be a lot of picks for Drew Locke, but you're going to need to score a lot of touchdowns because you're not going to be able to win these games close with a defensive you know, mindset. It's just not going to happen. Uh, the Titans are going to win this one pretty easy. Yeah, I think for me, this is the start of the Tannehill recognition program. Uh, the, start of the, the start of the season. Uh, all right, the start of our, our podcast career. Way mm-hmm. Back in one of the earlier earlier episodes, I had said I thought Tannehill was one of the more underrated and undervalued players all of last year. And then we dug a little deeper, thanks to Pro Football Reference. We found that very quietly, he actually led the league in a lot of categories. Um, and I think if you can sort of build off of that momentum, you got Derrick Henry, who was just completely unstoppable towards the end of last season and through the playoffs. If he can keep any of that momentum and that little weird hairdo he had poking out of the back of his head, uh, those guys are going to be a team worth paying attention to for the rest of the season. Now, same thing, no preseason, going up against the Broncos. I think the Broncos are just too banged up to make. And I, I feel bad for Von Miller. I have a feeling he's maybe one injury away. Him and J.J. Watt just cannot do anything to stay healthy for an entire season. And you wonder how much longer before they both just sort of realize and go a la Dustin Pedroia and just injuries are too insurmountable time to time to save my team some cap space and, and move on. Um, so I feel bad for Von Miller. I think that was one of the sort of pieces that are starting to bring the house down for Denver this season. So easy win for the Titans, Tannehill, come out firing, um, make a statement right off the bat and ride that through, ride some success through the season. hundred percent. Tannehill uh, recognition program starts. The Tannehill recognition, the TARP program. Um, yeah. so I got to put some good, some good energy out there in the universe as we finish this up. Um, I got AJ Brown on some fantasy squads and I need a couple TDs this week, Tannehill. So, Miko Grimes might not like you, but Sam Smith likes you. So does Tim Cronin. So you, like we, you. We, 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 no one else started the Tannehill recognition program, but the Stats of Matter <laughs> podcast did. So you can at least pay us back by throwing a couple TDs to your boy. So we yeah, can get some fantasy points. There's some us. gold stars handed out this season. <laughs> yes, the NFL is back Thursday night. First game, full slate of games on Sunday, and a doubleheader on Monday. That's what I'm talking about. And now it's time for... My body's ready. 
Oh, you keep so saying ready. that. Is your body like never ready? Because you keep saying my body's ready. I'm ready for it. I'm here for it. I'm ready for it. Are you just um, in a constant body, state of readiness? It takes a lot of effort to get my body in game day prime conditioning where I can sit for multiple hours without moving other than go to the fridge, send my son on an errand to distract him for 15 minutes at a time and get myself prepared. I have worked all COVID season to get my body prepared. It is ready. It is time. Put me in coach. I'll sink right into that couch. I'll nap maybe one quarter of a game. <laughs> be ready to go for the next one. I'm here for it. I'm ready. Uh, the body is ready. It's got that extra that extra coating to help keep me prepared. You should just buy a copy of the TB12 method and then whatever he's doing with those avocado ice cream and those other snacks, maybe you should do. So you can, you know, do some pliability stretches before uh, before the game starts on Sunday. Probably not. Doing I mean, that. make sure uh, make sure you wake I up have... at like 4.45 and you go walk yeah. at the mall with some of your other friends, you know, and, and go watch the birds and have a cup of coffee with all of your, you know, war buddies from like, you it know. Is... It yeah. is the TB12 method at yeah. this point. Yeah. Uh, I have reached the age of my life where if I have a beer in the middle of the day, like even if it's just one beer in the middle of the day, guaranteed nap at some point. Like my days of day drinking are well behind me. So I feel very much in the same age bracket as Tom Brady. So it's close. Is that you, you said the the big Ben ship is leaving the harbor, but I mean, geez, do I need to find another podcast those? Because it sounds like the Tim Cronin ship's already getting ready to steam out of the harbor here. I am uh, I am AARP ready. Oh, well, if if a if a beer <laughs> puts you to sleep, definitely ready for that. <laughs> yeah, if you if beer puts you to sleep uh, during a football game, then I wonder what a beer at the end of the Stats of Matter podcast would do to you because it's our favorite segment. What's in my cup? Let's go. All right. Uh, we know that you love craft beer, Tim. Mm-hmm. But mm-hmm. I think you've outdone yourself this week with the beer yeah. that has an ingredients list that, on paper, should never work. Mm-hmm. Tell us about yeah. this beer. It's a shopping list uh, at your local Whole Foods section. Mm. Um, so shout out to Jared Martin. He helped make this beer possible. It's a Vail Omnipolo collab called Tefnut. And here is the list. Creamsicle Berry Swirl Imperial Goza Ale with blackberries, raspberries, orange, non-dairy vanilla ice cream, Madagascar vanilla, and vanilla salt. So, I had no idea this beer was coming. Um, I know he's a big sour fan. He knows I'm more sour tart. But, god damn, that's a lot of stuff in one beer. <laughs> and a lot of that stuff sounds very, very sweet. Um, we're going to find out in, uh, in just a second here. So here goes nothing. I will preface this with the fact that I'm neither the biggest sour fan or Goza fan. Something about salty beers. They're very, very hit or miss. I've had a few of them. Black Hog makes a couple pretty good ones. Uh, their Bush Pig series tends to lean sort of Goza. Um, but historically... Not the biggest fan of Goza's and Sours. I've said it before. I've tried about a million. Let's make it. I don't know if this. Recall this one is sour? I don't even know. Yeah, it's an Imperial Goza. Yeah, but that means it's a Goza, not a sour. Yeah, it's a salt sour. Yeah. Different taste profiles, though. 
Not with that. <laughs> that, this, with that Tim, I don't want to. I don't want to ruin whatever ranking you're going to give it. But this beer sounds like a Pinterest recipe gone it does right, it does. like a like a Franken recipe. So go it ahead sounds, and crack that bad boy. We we got to get your rating on. It's it sounds like something I would drink out of the blender while trying to lose some of the COVID weight. <laughs> okay, so it blew up all over my hand. Yep. Uh, it is a very deep, deep red, and it looks very much like what I just described, like something that would come out of a blender. Like, I feel like there should be ice cubes in it. Sam, check this guy out. I feel like a vampire. Yeah, as I say, can we call you Wesley Snipes and Blade? Because you're drinking a glass of blood there, brother. All right, here we go. It um, it's interesting. Good, interesting. Better than I was expecting. It's not overly sour or overly goza. It's kind of like exactly what you would picture it with a little bit more of a tart finish on the end of it. It literally tastes like a smoothie. Like it. Mm-hmm. If I threw a couple ice cubes in this sucker, this thing I would pound before going after the gym. Like it is. It is good. Also, on the point of pounding this sucker it's 10 percent, so you probably don't don't want to do that just put, um, just put some pre-workout in it you all know it is uh it's 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 very solid give me give me a few minutes to do yours while i think about what i'm gonna rate this guy because <laughs> i've never had anything like this before uh i got a chance to go out to one of my favorite breweries in all of virginia ocelot brewing in sterling virginia and uh i went ahead and got a collaboration beer that they brewed with Union Craft Brewing called You'll Never Walk Alone. It's an IPA. Uh, Ocelot's known for their IPAs, and they mm-hmm. do not disappoint. So I'm super excited about this. Nice. Oh, cheers, by the way. Cheers. Even though our podcast isn't old, it's like not old enough to drink yet, but whatever. <laughs> old enough to swear, though, now. So mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Look, out, look out for that. Uh... ESRB rating upgrade. Yeah. <laughs> Get a, the T to M rating here in a couple couple yeah. episodes. Oh, that's really good. All right. So what do you give yours? That's 4.2. 4.25. Yep. Hmm. So to clarify, am I rating this amongst other beers or amongst other beers within this flavor profile? If you have to say that, what you're going to do is this is going to be the third sour in a row. You're going to say, oh, it can't be the best. So I'm going to give it a 4.10. That's what you're going to do. Or 4.11. You're going to do something like that. Well, here's the, here's the thing. Like it, Flavor-wise, it's good. <sighs> you're it's, trying to it's, like, it. it's manageably tart. It's not like overly sour. It's also super sweet. Like I could have... There's three different types of sugar in that thing. I know. I know, and I can see the sugar settling at the bottom of it. Um, <laughs> it's a ten percent beer that you have to drink like an Irish car bomb before it curdles. It's it's, it's tough. What a, I've I've literally never had anything like this. It's almost like too much. I was gonna go Dave Pornoy and just try it and 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 give you my like off the cuff rating, but I can't. I can't. I'm gonna end up finishing this thing here in a minute, just trying to come up with a rating for it. I'll give it a. In terms of sours, if I'm only having one, I'll give it a four two five. 
Oh, moving up in the I world. I can't. I can't have more than one. But if I'm looking at it as just sours of the world, it's one of the best sours I've had. Even if it is a little on the sweeter side, I <laughs> I would probably cut it a little bit with maybe some ice cubes, like you would a, a nice white wine or a, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> a nice cheap, a nice cheap boxed wine or something. Yep. But it, uh, I, I feel like during the summer, get the sucker as cold as possible. And I know putting ice in your beer is blasphemous, whatever. I'm not condoning it for any other beer other than this particular one. Because, I mean, God, look how look how thick that is. It's viscous. I'm telling you, like, yeah. you're going to finish this podcast, and then, like, um, I assume you have to do whatever you need to do. And then around, you know, 530 when the sun comes up, you have to go to sleep. Because if you're outside, you probably burst. Yeah. You know what I mean? And not to mention the sugar content is probably going to keep me awake until then. <laughs> until until 430 at least, yeah. If you drink four of these, there's a 0% chance you're not getting diabetes. 0% chance. You are, like, I'm going to be starting commercials in a couple of weeks with my <laughs> diabetes. You know, bristle mustache. Yeah. yeah. But, all right. Uh, Sour Wise 425. Interesting. Yeah. Yeah, 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 yeah. Good stuff. Well, I like to see that you're branching out here. Uh, you were doing the Connecticut beers for a while, and now... You got a beer that was down my way in Richmond, Virginia. So mm-hmm, mm-hmm. shout out to the Vale. Uh, I always like to get, you know, if, if I ever take the two and a half hour one way drive, um, I always like to hit up that place. A lot of yeah. great beers. Uh, and of course, their collabs with Omnipolo, they're not just sours, you know, IPAs, stouts. They, they yeah. make them all. Uh, Omnipolo makes some really weird beers. I think I had a beer they that do. they made. It was a double IPA. They had hamburger buns and french fries that were in the boil. And it worked. It works. Yeah. If, if uh, so, Omnipolo does a pretty good job of distributing. If you are a sour fan, look for them in the bottled section of your uh, local shop, like the the section where you buy like one, you know, five hundred liter bottle or, or yeah. a bomber there. Um, and they do make some pretty interesting stuff. I I will grab one every now and again because I'm honestly giving it my best effort to get into sours. I don't think it's ever going to happen. This is like a, I'm, I'm a big strawberry shake guy. If my family goes for ice cream, I'm always getting the, the hefty strawberry shake. And this is kind of in that same vein. It also with, looks like the cherry sauce that you would put on top of the strawberry shake. Yeah, it's like the tartness comes from, like it tastes like it comes from either under-ripened or over-ripened fruit, depending on which one of these berries we're talking about. But it tastes very natural it doesn't taste like someone screwed up a beer and they just put it out anyway which in my opinion is how sours came to be someone screwed up once and was like uh well we can't waste the product just put it out and we'll call it something else and people are yeah <laughs> craft beer i'll drink this and then yeah i think i think the germans in like 1600 something would have a lot to say about that but how do you think that happened where they were like oh look all that beer tastes the same here let's follow that same process why did ours come out so weird? Well, you know, the people, goes people drink it anyway. It does the same water thing. from the outsides, but you know, no, no big deal. Uh, now, <laughs> all the Americanized abominations of IPAs and sours, yes, yes, those aren't necessarily what the founding folks of beer anticipated. In fact, every yeah. time you lift that glass to your mouth, it pixelates. I'm not sure that you're not yeah. drinking something straight out of the Matrix right now. It's, it's even giving me like the red <laughs> lip stain. Around yeah. like the, I look like I'm drinking Kool Aid, where I'm slowly getting that, yeah, that Kool Aid Man yeah. smile or the Joker smile. Yeah, yeah, this is unreal, unbelievable. I, just, I feel wrong drinking it. You should. I mean, there's like people who probably you know gave their bodies up so that you could be part of a 
a worldwide cabal that, you know, holds humans down. Okay. Sorry. I was just, I just went into the blade, you know, storyline there. And then I got, I got to say it. I couldn't tell if you're doing that or you're going through the, uh, conspiracy <laughs> time more <laughs> at 2020. Yeah. <laughs> Hey, you know, this, so, okay. So we got, we got footballs coming back. You know, something else that came back is Tony Hawk's pro skater. One and two were remastered. Okay. And I'm telling you, I'm just as bad playing it at 33 that I was at 16, 17, 18, 19, and 20. I'm so yeah. bad at the game. The graphics yeah. got better. The music got better and I'm still terrible at it. And there are no cheats that I can find. How in the world am I supposed to, to rack off a line of hundred thousand points worth of tricks? If I don't have a limited gravity on or a perfect, perfect lip and rail balance, how am I supposed to do this? You mean I actually have to play a game that I didn't bother to learn playing 15 years ago? That's a missed opportunity, but it's still yeah. fun. It's still yeah, awesome. We, we didn't know Sam and I are both closet video gamers. And uh, if any of you guys are ready to get worked in some uh, COD, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. come get some. Yeah, yeah, go ahead and try to hit us up, but we'll just be pouring <laughs> buckets of whatever Tim is drinking. That's right. That's right. But there it is. Episode 16 in the books. Good stuff. Uh, next episode, we'll be moving up to the mature rating. Uh, we won't be mm-hmm. old enough mm-hmm. to you know, buy cigarettes or look at illicit material or buy lottery tickets, but we will be you know, much more wise than we are right now. So we appreciate all the listeners of the Staff Center Podcast for sticking with us. We hope that we're providing you the content that you desperately seek as sports are now coming back into sort of a, a more full swing. I mean, sports were back before, but now we got football coming back. So I think it's going to be, it's going to hit different as the kids say. Yes, yes, they, they do say those things. <laughs> this, this, this part of the 2020 is really going to slap. It really be like that. It really be like that. You see what I did there? <laughs> Let's get out of here, Tim. All right, everybody. Cheers. Thanks again. Thanks again.